was elbow deep in soap bubbles in my sink. And I was jamming to my tunes and someone started pounding on my door. They would not go away. So I ran to my door and I opened it up to the persistent, panicked person who was saying, we got to get in the basement. There's a tornado coming. There was a tornado that was going to hit our Indiana apartment building. So we all ran down to the basement and we could hear the storm outside, the power of the wind vibrating the building. But I got a little antsy, so I decided to sneak out as you do when there's a tornado in Indiana at your apartment building. And our our lobby area was enclosed by glass, and so it was a perfect view of the sky. And so as the wind howled and you could hear the power of the storm, the tornado actually passed around us, thankfully. But I could see in the sky, it was these eerie colors of yellows and purples and greens. And then it was quiet, that eerie silence that comes after the storm. How about you? Have you ever been caught in a storm where you could feel the power of the elements around you? Maybe the Christmas season just feels like a storm that you have been caught up in. Or maybe this year has felt like a storm and you have just been left to pick up the pieces in your life this year. You know, the power of the wind can do so much harm and destruction, but it can also be harnessed for good. Power can be used for good or for bad, like so many things in this world. And the Christmas story is a story of power. It is the story of the power of God showing up on this earth in a way that had never been seen before. And it began with a young woman named Mary. And when Mary found out she was pregnant, she was stunned. She was shocked. She was surprised. I mean, could it even be possible? She had never been with a man. How could it be that she was pregnant? And Luke 1, 35, has an angel come to her and tell her what was going on. The angel came and said to Mary, that the Holy Spirit was going to come upon Mary, that the very power of God was going to overshadow Mary, and that the Holy One to be born of her was to be called the very Son of God. Now Mary, she grew up as a young woman in the ancient Jewish world. And so for Mary, she would have grown up hearing the traditions being passed down from generation to generation, stories that had been told about her ancestors. Now, one of these stories that Mary would have known was about the tabernacle. Now, the tabernacle was a giant tent that God had commanded her people to build when they were out in the wilderness. And they had just been freed from Egypt, from slavery, and in the tabernacle, in the tent, they had a treasure box. It was called the Ark of the Covenant. And in this treasure box, there were different items that God had commanded them to put in there so that they would remember the faithfulness of God. And God gave them very specific instructions for the covering or the lid of the Ark of the the Ark of the Covenant. It was to be designed so that angels were carved in it and their wings would overshadow the top of the lid or the covering. Because right there in that lid is where the presence of God dwelt. It was considered to be the mercy seat. 
where the presence of God was. Now, the Ark of the Covenant had disappeared. It had been gone for hundreds and hundreds of years by the time we catch up with Mary in her story. But I can't help but wonder that as Mary stood there in that moment with the angel, perhaps his wings overshadowing her, and the Holy Spirit that came upon her, and she found herself pregnant. She had conceived a child miraculously by the power of God, If she too began to think, wow, this is now the place of the new mercy seat, the place where the very presence of God was going to dwell in her womb. But this time, it would not go away. This baby would be born and would grow to become a man. And this man would one day go to the cross and sacrifice himself out of complete love so that we could be forgiven, so that we could have a relationship with God. You know, as soon as a woman finds out that she is pregnant, she starts making sacrifices. I mean, um, growing a baby inside of you, it makes you feel like a superhero, a very weak and very tired superhero who wants to eat all the time and can't get to the bathroom fast enough. I mean, your brain is telling you to eat fruits and vegetables, but your stomach is telling you to eat French fries and chocolate shakes. You hit this point in time where all of a sudden you drop things and you're not even going to pick them up. They just drop into oblivion. You're so tired, but you can't sleep. And it's not like you want to sleep like a baby. You just want to sleep the way your snoring husband seems to be able to sleep. Mothers love perhaps is so powerful. Perhaps the superpower of a mother's love is that of sacrifice. When Mary found out she was pregnant, she was willing to give something up so that love could stand up. Why did God choose Mary? Perhaps he chose her for the power of her sacrifice. You know, when we are weak, that is when God is strong. When we sacrifice, that is when God is revealed. In our culture today, Christmas has kind of snowballed into a huge materialistic kind of experience for so many people. Amazon Prime has lulled us into personal indulgences. And perhaps today in our culture, more than any other time, this idea of sacrificial love is so rare and so precious that it shines powerfully in our culture. It shines so powerfully that it shines like a bright light, like that Christmas light that shone in the sky so many years ago that led people to the Christ child. And when that baby Jesus grew up, he too would be willing to give something up, his very life, so that God's love could stand up and walk right out of an empty tomb. Perhaps this Christmas, you too might dare, like Mary dared so many years ago, to live in a way that showed sacrificial love. Would you too dare to give something up so that love can stand up. Well, 
here's the thing. There's another side to this story. And, and the other side to this story is actually found in the Gospel of Matthew. And as Pastor Lisa talked about, there, there's the story from Mary's perspective, but there is very much another story at work. And we find it in Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. It says this. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant with the Holy Spirit. Like, can we just pause for a quick second? Like, did you, did you see what just happened? The, the Holy Spirit spoke to Mary and said, hey, guess what? You're going to give birth to God, okay? Like, like you're going to give birth to God. Like, like, hashtag no big deal here, right? Like, you're just going to give birth to God. It's a totally normal thing. But then Mary has this very critical moment where she has to decide how in the world is she going to share this news with Joseph? And I want you to pick up on the drama. I mean, think about it for a second. Like, if you were in her shoes, how in the world would you share that news with Joseph? Well, in, in verse 19, in verse 19, it tells us how Joseph responds. But unfortunately, unfortunately, the gospel writer doesn't tell us exactly how she went about telling that news. And I can only imagine, I mean, you know, maybe like he comes home from work or something and, and she prepares a nice meal and she's like, Joseph, I got something to tell you. And um, I'm just going to come out the gate and say, um, I'm pregnant, right? And, and she's like, he, he's, he's like, Wait, what? what? You're pregnant? She's like, yeah, but, but it's not what you think it is, right? It's not what you think it is. Like, it's God in a bod. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, it's not what you think it is. It's, it's the son of the most high. And, and, and he's going, are you kidding me? I mean, put yourself in his shoes. This is the woman he loves. And he's just found out that she is pregnant and he is not the dad. Maybe you're thinking, well, maybe they were just like kind of in a non-committal relationship. I mean, maybe they were just friends. Well, what you need to understand about first century Jewish culture is that marriages had actually three stages leading up to them. The very first stage was what they called engagement. And this is where uh, uh, two parents of a boy and a girl would, would meet up and would, would figure out, hey man, we would love for our kids to get married someday. And this, this would happen when the kids were really, really young and, and this was called engagement. And so a dad or a mom, they'd, they'd meet up with the other parents and say, okay, these two are going to end up together. But it's interesting because if you didn't feel like you had the spiritual gift of like pairing up your kids with other kids, there was actually, there was actually professional matchmakers, professional matchmakers that you could pay to set up your kids. So you guys, before there was eHarmony, you know what I mean? Like before there was like match.com, before there was Christian Mingle, before there was Tinder, there was first century matchmakers. You know what I mean? That was just a thing. That was just a thing. But after that engagement period, when the young man and the young woman grew up, they entered into a season, they entered into a stage called betrothal. And this was a legally binding, socially minded union that these two had experienced. And though they had not lived together or been with each other up to this point, in the eyes of their community, in the eyes of each other, they were an item. They were married. In fact, the young man would take that whole year of betrothal and he would go and he would build a house extension onto his father's house. And once he had finished that house, he would go and get his bride and then they would officially be married and enter into stage three and they would be married for their whole lives. 
And so it is at this moment that Joseph and Mary are in stage two. They are in the betrothal season. In Joseph's mind and in Joseph's heart, these two are together forever. And he finds out that Mary's with a child. And he doesn't understand this. And it doesn't make any sense to him. And then he responds this way. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. The reason he had to divorce her is because legally they were viewed as an item. And so he says, I will divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. You see, in this moment, Joseph is incredibly hurt. And Joseph chooses to do something audacious, crazy. It doesn't even make sense. But in the moment when Joseph is hurt, he chooses to show grace and love. He sees that there's a conflict here. And he's angry and he's hurt and he's going, this woman that I'm supposed to be with, she's having a kid and I'm not responsible at all. And instead of acting out in pain, instead of lashing out, He chooses to show grace and love. I'm about to say something that maybe will just blow your mind, but it's this. Hurt people hurt people, right? And when hurt people hurt people, everyone gets hurt. All right, I know that's like really profound, right? When hurt people hurt people, everyone gets hurt. But when hurt people choose to show grace and love, healing and joy come. I don't know this Christmas season what kind of hurt you're facing. I don't know what your spouse has said to you or that disconnect with you and your kids or something going on at work. But I know that everyone in this room that we have some kind of hurt in our lives and we have two choices. We can either continue to hurt and add on to the chaos or instead we could be people that show grace and love. And when you show grace and love, you create room, you create space, you create a moment for God to come in and by the power of the Holy Spirit, do something amazing in that relationship. And and I understand, I mean, that, that sounds absolutely crazy, but it's a difference in perspective. The question is, are you and I gonna choose to react and respond based on our own perspective? Or are we gonna respond based on how God sees what's happening? Because what if, what if, what if? What if God's looking in on the hurt that you're experiencing? And he says, if you will choose to show grace and love, I will work in ways that bring healing and joy. Well, for Joseph, because he showed grace and love, he realized that there actually wasn't any hurt at all. And he didn't miss out on being like the dad to the God of the universe, right? But maybe, maybe you are in a season of hurt and pain and maybe what they're doing to you is real. And you're going, why the heck would I choose to do that? Here's why. Because when you and I, when you and I choose to hurt God, when you and I rebel against him, when you and I respond in sinful and broken ways, you know what he does? God steps in and chooses to show grace and love. You see, the king in the manger grew up to be the king on a cross 
who died for every sin that we've ever committed and rose from the grave proving that he has power over life and death itself. And so in whatever hurt or pain you're in right now, here's my challenge to you. Here's, my, here's what I want us to pray. It's this. It's a very simple prayer. God, you know that I'm hurt. How do you want me to respond? God, you know that I'm hurt. How do you want me to respond? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that you know every single hurt in this room. You know the ways that our lives have been upset and, and maybe devastated. And maybe this, this Christmas season doesn't feel anything like last Christmas season. But God, would we choose to follow Joseph's example? Would we ultimately choose to follow your example, God? That when your people hurt you, you rushed in, you leaned in, you led out with grace and love. And so God, would we, in whatever hurt we're going through, choose to show grace and love? And would you bring healing and joy? Amen. Uh, let's wrap up our time now this morning by looking at the three wise men. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. How many of you saw the SpaceX launch on Friday night? Was that freakish or what? I ran in, got all the kids, we were running out and just uh, weren't quite sure if Jesus was coming back or if an alien invasion was taking place. Here's some pictures from people of our church, the Solanas in Laverne. There's one of their pictures. And then the Rinders uh, from Anaheim, uh, different people from our church sent in uh, different pictures. Now, the most interesting one was our, one of our youth interns in junior high ministry, Vincent Medina. He had a special, special camera. And this is what it picked up. And oh my goodness, that was kind of cool, actually. Now, for people back then that looked carefully at the stars, especially these wise men, it would have been just as spectacular as the SpaceX launch was for us. It would have been that significant because they studied. that We kind of ignore the stars. They knew the stars. They see them clearly. And so this was clear cut in the sky. Something special was going on. Let's skip down to verse 9. After they heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Here's the third destroyer of joy, and that's confusion. But here's what the wise men do. When the wise men were confused... They chose to follow God's light one step at a time. Are you confused about anything this morning as you enter into 2018? I bet if we raised hands, we'd say, yeah, there's at least one area of our life where we're confused. Maybe it's in your job situation. Maybe it's in a relationship. Uh, maybe if you're a student, it's trying to figure out God's plan and purpose for your life. Uh, maybe it's a health issue. Maybe it's a financial issue. Or maybe your area of confusion is in your, about your relationship with God. You have all kinds of questions. I mean, maybe you're new to this Christmas story. You're like, boy, you Christians 
believe some pretty wacky stuff. I mean, a virgin birth, a resurrection. I mean, this is, this is crazy stuff. And it's okay that you have those questions. God is able to handle those questions. All God asks is for you to have an open mind and an open heart. And just follow one step at a time. Follow the light you have one step at a time. God even promised uh, in Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 13, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. All he asks is, you know, sometimes a great prayer is I'm willing to be made willing. Lord, I'm open uh, for you to answer some of my questions. And I won't get all of them answered until I get to heaven. But I, I just, would you give me enough light for the next step? My friend Tom Mercer, he's a pastor up in Victorville in High Desert, and I love what he says. I, I, I put it down there for you in your study outline. When God leads, you will almost never see the third step. You will seldom see the second step. You might not even see the first step clearly, and they will all be scary. But I'm telling you, it will be a tremendous adventure. As someone who has followed Jesus for years now, it is the greatest adventure you can ever imagine. There is no more exciting adventure than following God with the light he provides one step at a time, just like the wise men did. And look what they discovered at the end of their journey. And so if you turn the page of your program, just to the next page, it says how to take that next step. If you've never started a relationship with God, here's how you can take the next step. And then you can go to our Connect Center after the service is over, and they'll tell you how to take some next steps. But here's the next step. Here's just the step right in front of you this Christmas Eve 2017 uh, by receiving and unwrapping God's Christmas gift to you. It's as simple as A, B, C. A, admit your condition before God. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of God's perfect standards. Uh, I've said things I shouldn't have said. I've done things I shouldn't have done. I've thought things I shouldn't have thought. There are people I should have loved more that I have not loved and, and so uh, that makes me fall short. It's like there's a grand canyon between a perfect God and an imperfect us. And then that leads us to be. Believe that Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago came because he's God's only solution to that condition. For the wages, the result of sin is death. Spiritual death. Separation from God. It causes that chasm that you see there in the outline. But, and this is the most, the, the Christmas message is summarized by one three-letter word, but, B-U-T, the gift of God, the Christmas gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. He's, he's done his part. He's offering that gift to you here this morning. Now our part is to receive and to unwrap it. I don't know when your family unwraps gifts. Maybe you do some Christmas Eve, some Christmas morning. Uh, maybe you let them open one on Christmas Eve, and then they open. We're doing Christmas the day after Christmas because that's when all the family can be there. And I don't know how it is for you, but the, the only way you get a gift, even though somebody else has prepared it and bought it and wrapped it, is to receive it and then unwrap it. And that's what leads us to see. Choose to follow Christ as your Savior and Lord. He's done his part by being born in a manger 2,000 years ago, lived a perfect life, died on the cross to build a bridge between God and us, and then he rose from the grave to conquer death in the resurrection that we celebrate at Easter. He's built the bridge. Now it's up to us to walk on the bridge. He's offered the, he's purchased the gift by his death on the cross. He's, he's wrapped the gift. He extends the gift to us. Now our part is to receive the gift and unwrap it. 
And so Jesus said, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged for the wrong stuff that we've done. Isn't that good news? But has crossed over, has walked over that bridge from death to life. You're not here by accident this morning. It's not an accident that you're watching online. Um, different places in the country, maybe even different places in the world. It's no accident. This is a divine moment. God invited you here, and he's extending the gift, and now our part is to receive it and unwrap it. And I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. Would you pray this prayer silently as I pray it out loud? Dear God, and you just to yourself silently say, Dear God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to earth. I believe Jesus was who he said he was and proved it by rising from death. I want to discover and begin following your plan and purpose for my life. I want to get to know you personally. Thank you, Jesus Christ, for dying for me and forgiving all my sins. Right here, right now, Christmas Eve 2017, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for your free gift, your free Christmas gift of eternal life. And I pray this in Jesus' name and all God's family said.